0: Hello, and welcome to this download from Blackwell Online. My name is George Miller, and my guest is Ruth Richardson, author of The Making of Mr. Grey's Anatomy, which tells the fascinating story of one of the most famous books in publishing history, and certainly the most famous medical textbook of all time. Grey's Anatomy was first published 150 years ago, and has remained in print going through many successive editions ever since. One of the most salient things to come across from Ruth's book is that Grey's Anatomy was a work of two very different men. Henry Grey, who wrote the text, and Henry Carter, who produced the illustrations. I asked Ruth to tell me about them.
1: They're both very interesting men. The most important thing to know about Grey is that there's no papers or any diaries or anything that I've been able to discover, Mm. sadly. So it's very, very hard to get close to his personality and to give his voice in the... In the matter, I mean, the text is his in the book, but you can't get anywhere near him as a as a sort of biographer, which I suppose I am in a way now. There was no way I could get anywhere near him as a person, except through handwriting evidence and there's a couple of photographs. The other man, Henry Henry Carter, Henry Van Dyke Carter, who did the illustrations, is much more easily accessible because his diaries survive. And uh, he had a longer life as well. The reason Grey has no papers is that he died of smallpox. Possibly, I think what happened is that they burnt everything that he touched. He he didn't just have smallpox; he had a terrible kind of smallpox called confluent smallpox, which it's just the most terrible way to die. There, it isn't that quick; it takes about a week to oh. kill you, and it's really awful. And nobody else anywhere near him in Belgravia wanted anything to do with it. And I think probably they cleaned everything out and burnt everything he touched.
0: And this was at an early age. He was in his early 30s, wasn't he? He
1: was only 34. It was a couple of years. The first edition of, the, of Graves came out in 1858. He bought the second edition out in 1860 and he died in 1861.
0: And by contrast, Carter had a had a, a relatively had a long life. and a very life, interesting
1: life yes. Carter had a very long and very interesting life. He's younger than Gray. He, he's 24 when they start, where when Gray's 28. And I think that's quite a significant difference between the two of them. He was socially inferior to Gray. And he was uh, from the provinces, so he wasn't even a Londoner. You know, there, there were l- a number of things which put him at a disadvantage. Yeah. And he was also poorer than Gray and just didn't have the contacts and support that Gray had. Gray had um, a mentor within the hospital. They they were both working at St. George's Hospital when it was at Hyde Park Corner. And Gray had the mentor of Sir Benjamin Brody, who was a big fish, not just at St. George's, but... In the country, as a medic, he was, yeah. and and as a scientist, he was um, president of the Royal Society, and he was the first president of the GMC, the General Medical Council, when it was yeah. first founded. Very important figure, and he was always rooting for Gray, and I think advising him and behind him in every step of his career, whereas Carter didn't have that, and yeah. actually wouldn't have wanted it, because he came from a nonconformist background, nonconformist um, in religion. And not Church of England. I think he was a Congregationalist, but rather from an evangelical branch of Congregationalism. Basically, the, the English Nonconformists behave in such a way that you have to have your own dignity, and you have to make your own way on your own on your own merits. You yeah. don't pull strings, and you don't bribe, or you know, you don't use social networking in a corrupt manner. Whereas I think. I wouldn't say it was corrupt, but it, was certainly, it certainly worked towards favouritism, yes. and that's how the London Hospital lived in those days, that's how they were run in those days, it was who you knew.
0: I mean, yes. you, say, you say something very interesting about the whole way in which medicine was changing because you say that Grey sort of represented th- the older school, you know, patronage, yes. funds, background connections, yes. whereas Carter yes. was much more about personal ability and, and effort and, and getting there by, you know, by pulling yourself up. He,
1: I mean, Carter is a, is a product of meritocracy, mm. whereas Grey is not. Grey is a, is a product of patronage. Yeah. And Grey knew which strings to pull when... I mean, he's always ahead of the game because he's got advice from somewhere else, you know, Mm. someone who's done it ahead of him. Mm. Whereas Carter is, he, he, he he succeeds in different ways, but he's more likely to do it by examination and by hard work. Whereas Gray does it by knowing, you know, a person who's a, another doctor who works for the Duke of Sutherland, you know, it's that sort of thing. It's quite different way of working. And Gray's intention in life, I think, was to be the top surgeon for Belgravia and whereas Carter left St. George's, left England and entered the East India Company, which was then just being taken over by the government and being opened up, this is after the Indian mutiny in India, just being opened up to competitive examination. Yeah. And that's what he did. He took the examination, he got through, and off he went. And he went to look after the poor in in Bombay, as it was then known.
0: I wondered, besides this being a fascinating story in its own right, if part of the motivation for you in writing it was to redress an injustice, because it's very clear, Grey's name is the name which is associated with yes. the book. Grey's name is the name which is large on the title page. And the more you read your book, the more you discover how really quite um, shabbily, grey treated Carter. Even to, one of yes. the most telling moment, I think, is when Gray amends a proof of the title page. And I, so I wondered Absolutely. if, if that, if that, if you could tell me a little bit about that. And also, <laughs> was that was that something at the back of your sort of driving you on? You know, that you wanted to to, to set Carter's, um, you know, set his his stock where it where it rightfully belongs.
1: Yes, I, I, I agree with you. I think part of the story is to to redress an injustice. I do agree with you. That was a large part of my motivation. <laughs> Not to put Gray down at all, but to say, look, there were two people who did this work, and that the second one is hardly known, and actually his contribution to the book, I think, is the more significant. Mm. And that's particularly the case when you see the reviews when the book first comes out. There's a, yeah. a, there are two brilliant reviews in The Lancet and the BMJ, and then the Medical Times gives a real, what you would call a bummer, mm-hmm. <laughs> terrible, terrible review. Saying that the, the text is basically plagiarised from the major textbook of the day called Quain, and actually it does come from other sources too. That isn't to say that that Quain didn't use other people's work when he wrote his textbook. He did. Anatomy is fundamentally an accretive discipline, it's, it's mm. a discipline where you build on the, the wisdom and knowledge of the people who have gone before, and it's done by small corrections and, and, and new insights on existing insights, but what, the problem with Gray was that he didn't say thank you to his sources, yes. he made out, he, he, he basically published a book which said thank you to nobody, mm. and on the front page where, he, where the publisher had put Gray at the top of the page. Gray on the spine, and Carter lower on the title page. It was quite clear who was the author of the words and yes. whose, whose anatomy it was. But when, it, when, when Gray saw the title page, the draft title page, proof, he not only wanted to cut Carter's, the lettering that Carter's name was put in, he not only wanted to cut that in half, but he deleted the professorship that he'd won in India you know, in Bombay, he deleted yes. that from the title page. So all that was left was this half-size uh, Henry Van Dyke Carter, and it, he did have to leave his M.D. and he couldn't describe him as that. But
0: if one of your motivations was to redress the injustice done to Carter, one of the most poignant things in the book for me was when you talked about. The people who became the subjects for the dissections which were oh, used yeah. as the models uh, yeah. by Carter and really how impossible it is to say anything that isn't generalised about these people because they're anonymous and, and completely yeah. forgotten.
1: That's really the heart of the book, I think, for me, partly because of the work I did previously on the Anatomy Act and the, the derivation of corpses, where, where bodies came from. Mm. You know, people know about the history of body snatching, and they've heard of Burke and Hare, the murderers. But and some some people probably will be aware of the anatomy acts, which gave the poor from workhouses instead of hanged murderers, and was why previously the only legal source were hanged murderers, and there weren't enough, and that was why there was body snatching. They changed the law in 1832 to give the poor dying in workhouses, and. The Gray's Grey, the book, all the work for Gray's was done on the bodies of people either from the mortuary at St. George's itself or from various London workhouses where the poor were dying and they didn't have enough money for their own funeral so they were taken for dissection. That's why that chapter, it's called The Raw Material and it's kind of in the middle of the book really. It's mm. the middle, it's the heart of the book. But I think what's so wonderful about Carter's illustrations is that they are not abject people. They're not shown as lumps of meat. They're not shown as undignified. They're not shown in pain. And in fact, many of the illustrations are quite noble. I say somewhere in in there that they're painless illustrations. It's the first real anatomy book for students that's published since the development of chloroform anesthesia in general. And I think these bodies are, are, you know, chloroformed bodies. They're asleep rather than, dead, and they're not yes. being treated as though they're social outcasts. They're being treated as human beings. I mean, Carter's religious belief would have been the right... That's how he would have treated them anyway. But it is part of their charm, is that they are not undignified. I, I think the, the dignity with which the, the whole of the body is treated in, in Grays is very significant, and I think that's from Carter.
0: Ruth Richardson. The making of Mr Grey's Anatomy is published by Oxford University Press and is available now in hardback.